0: as a fox, culture than pop, give him his props Here is a thought, here is a box And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try Careful with the news, but when you use a take I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire Because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Yeah, fantasy round table Come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table Fantasy, fantasy round table Whoa, fantasy round table Come take a look at the crown, baby Go What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is thursday so matt and myself are back at it once again we are going to finish talking nfc west today we've got the arizona cardinals and the san francisco 49ers on the docket plus a little bit of low-key talk finally wasn't able to see episode three but we will definitely talk about episodes one and two before we get into that matt how are you doing on this beautiful thursday
1: Doing pretty good. It's uh, getting to be the end of the week. Normally, uh, Dennis and I have mentioned before, you know, Thursday is our is our Friday, but uh, in this case, uh, it's summer camps, so I'll get to work uh, tomorrow morning as well. um, Which you know was tough. I woke up this morning, I'm like, "Ah, it's 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 my Friday. Ah, it's
0: not. Yeah, I feel you every Thursday, so I promise it's uh you know at least one more day after today, and you know it's one of those things where I, I always forget how kind of like grueling it is that first week you come back after not working for a week. And, you know, at least I don't know about your job, mine. There's, you know, if mistakes are made, it makes your job uh, 10 times uh, more hard, difficult right? when you come back. But, uh, you know, it's it's been a fun week. I've somewhat been excited to get back to work a little bit, but uh, it's 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 been fun. I'm ready for the weekend, though. It cannot get here uh, fast enough. So. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump in and talk about the Arizona Cardinals, who finished 8-8 and and in third place in 2020. Their key additions, James Conner, running back from Pittsburgh, A.J. Green, wide receiver from Cincinnati. They got J.J. Watt, the defensive end, from the Houston Texans, Malcolm Butler, cornerback from the New England Patriots, and Matt Prater, the anchor less... But that's right. He was with the Titans last. That's right. He was with uh, the
1: Patriots. I mean, he took the long
0: way. That was that was probably his, uh, you know, better time, I would say, I guess, was was when he was with the Patriots and uh, Matt Prater, who was the kicker for the Detroit Lions. Their losses. Kenyon Drake running back goes to the Raiders. Patrick Peterson, cornerback, goes to the Vikings. Hassan Reddick, linebacker to the Panthers and Dan Arnold tight end to the Panthers. In the first round, they took a linebacker that I was hoping the Browns might end up taking in Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. They add the explosive wide receiver, Rondale Moore, out of Purdue, wide receiver in the second round, and cornerback Marco Wilson in the fourth. The Cardinals were the last team out of the playoff race in 2020. Started off really hot in that season last year. Can they get into the playoffs in 2021?
1: You know, and I think that's the big challenge because we talked about the teams that finished above them on Monday. You know, the Rams got Stafford, um, still a very strong core of a team. Uh, The Seahawks still have some great players and seem to always be competitive and always hang around, even during seasons when you think they should be down. Uh, That's been the case with Pete Carroll. Then you have the Cardinals, and we can't forget about the 49ers, the team we're about to talk about in a little bit who were the NFC champions in 2019. So this is, in my opinion, probably the most loaded division top to bottom in the NFL. I know the AFC North probably has three playoff teams, depending on how the the Bengals do, they could make a run at this. But the the NFC West has four teams you legitimately could make an argument for being in the playoffs. And a lot of it's going to come down to Kyler Murray and how they can execute, um, you know, I think Cliff Kingsbury has done better than some of us thought he might do um, with the system. I thought they were good at times last year. They just couldn't hold it together. A big question is going to be about defense. They got some guys that have some heart and some experience. J.J. Watt, definitely the tail end of his career. It's not what he once was, but he's a guy that brings a lot of veteran experience and heart and leadership. Malcolm Butler, we've seen him do some some impressive things. I mean, he made some incredible plays in that Super Bowl uh, for the Patriots. Can that be enough with some of the other veterans they've surrounded in there and the talent that they've acquired to win the wins that they need? You know, if they're going to have to, I think in the NFC, you're going to have to get to 10 or 11 wins to make it into the playoffs. They were right on the cusp and right right out last year. Um, I'd like to see them take a step forward, and I think they can do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I was much higher on them last year than you guys were. I actually think I had them in the playoffs. If I remember correctly, yeah, I think I had like almost all four teams of the NFC West in the playoffs, if not having all four. I think I did. Uh, and obviously they were really on pace for that. I mentioned right in the beginning of that question that they were – they came off – started off on that hot hot start. I was all excited. I thought they were going to make it in. I, I've been much higher on Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray since they came into the NFL together. And I do think Kyler Murray's injury probably pay, played a little bit of part into them kind of falling into the second half. Their defense needs to get a little bit better. They added a couple pieces there that that might help. Obviously, the offense added an A.J. Green. Uh, what was it? James Connor comes over to help uh, Chase Edmonds there in the running game. They add another weapon in Rondale Moore. So this offense looks like it's going to be Very explosive. I trust Murray. He's gotten a little bit better every year. So even if he stays right at where he's at, I think he's got the ability to take them into the playoffs. It's just going to be, in my opinion, more can that defense do enough to help them? Because the offense is scoring points. That defense needs to take that step that the offense has taken the past couple years. If that defense can do it, then I agree with you. I think they can get there, and I hope they do. They're a fun team. I'd I'd love to see him get in there just because I think Kyler Murray is going to be fun to watch on the big stage. He was really fun to do it when he made it the one year in the college football playoff. I'd love to see him do it in the NFL. So fantasy finishes and fantasy projections here for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray was QB2 in 2020. Where does he finish in 2021? Is he a lock for top five? Top three? Is he an MVP candidate? Dennis says he has Murray at QB5 in his early rankings. He did, as, as I just mentioned, finishes QB2. 3,971 pass yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 819 rushing yards with 11 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, you know, I think he was in the MVP candidate discussion last year. Um, it was, uh, especially with that first half, you know, you think about that game against Buffalo um, where they kind of were dueling with Josh Allen and were able to come out with the Hale Murray there. I think that was kind of the zenith of, of where he was. Both those guys ended up, were in the conversation at that time. He sort of faded down as his team, wasn't able to close out and win games. And that's really the difference in the MVP. So can he be part of the MVP discussion? I think he can be. He needs to to be able to guide that team to winning some games. In terms of fantasy, I think we've seen he, to me, feels like a mortal lock for top five. I currently have him at QE3 uh, in my first pass of doing 2021 rankings. I With his rushing ability, he has better weapons, I think, this season. You know, Fitzgerald hasn't resigned. Probably, maybe done. We don't know about Christian Kirk, but they got AJ Green, who's a veteran who saw over a hundred targets last year. He's he's not done. They got Rondale Moore in there. You still have Chase Edmonds, a good pass catching back, and DeAndre Hopkins. So I think he's going to get it done.
0: Yeah, he's, he's right at QB3 for me as well, and I could see him jumping Josh Allen, and obviously Patrick Mahomes is kind of sitting there at, at one. And he's going to stay there. out. I don't see him moving at all unless he gets injured throughout the process of the next couple months. Uh, the only other quarterback I see maybe jumping him is Lamar. I've been mentioning that I think Lamar is, is going to take that step forward. This year I'm back on the Lamar train, so I could see Lamar finishing up there in the top three, which would knock Murray down to probably – Four, but he's definitely top five for sure. I I don't see outside, even last year, with the shoulder injury, he still finishes as a top two running back. And I agree with you. The rushing upside that he brings is just ridiculous. He seems to score multiple rushing touchdowns every single year. He's just – he's. So hard to tackle because he's so quick and, and elusive when he gets into the open field with the ball. So I'm all, I'm all in on Murray being top five. What's I can up?
1: already see when we get to the quarterback ranking show. We're going to have a lot of fun because uh, you and I both have him at three. We have two different quarterbacks above him.
0: Oh, wait, you know i have Josh I mean, Allen? No? Interesting.
1: Okay. I... I I agreed with uh, that Josh Allen might slide back a little bit.
0: I still have Josh Allen top five, but uh, top he's, five.
1: Not, he's not the t- one of the two I have above him. Gotcha.
0: Well, I haven't solidified mine, but I'm pretty sure it's it's Allen I have above him. I'm pretty sure mine right now is, is Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Lamar, but that might change. I haven't finished all of my stuff yet. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think if you don't want to say top three, he's a lot top five. I, I don't see any yeah. way he falls out of that. MVP – I do think he will be a candidate, especially if he gets the Cardinals into the Super Bowl – or not Super Bowl, I'm sorry, the playoffs. If, playoffs, if they don't yeah. get into the playoffs, I, I just don't see it because we don't see enough – we don't really see guys getting the MVP award or even getting consideration if they're not making the playoffs. So I, I don't think he has to have that magical year like Josh Allen had last year. I think if he just does something close to what he's been doing and, again, takes the Cardinals to the playoffs, he'll be in consideration for it. Will he win it? That's a different question. You have to tune into closer into the season when we actually give our predictions on who was, I think I actually picked him to win it last year. So, you know,
1: for the first half of the season, that looked like a pretty genius uh, dark horse pick. Um, It's just unfortunate the way they finished the season.
0: Yep. I think the only one I got right last year was Kevin Stefanski coach of the year.
1: Hey, least you picked Matt, Matt Patricia as coach of the year.
0: Well, you know, you were all in on the Lions, though. And, you know, it, it didn't work out. But, hey, we all make those things. It was I'm sure I was all in on somebody last year, and it didn't work uh, yeah. out. I, mean, I
1: careened off the cliff like a
0: milk truck with no brakes. <laughs> hey, it's better that way than, like, just being right there, right? Like, you just just go all in or, or go down with the ship. At least, at least you never bailed off, but I'll give you credit on that because I'd have pretended like it never happened. You were all year, like, nope, let's, let's just keep going, Detroit. I still, I mean, I thought the Lions
1: had a good team on paper.
0: Oh, so did I. I don't think I had them that bad. I know I didn't have them as high as you and Dennis did, but I was right there with you. I was like, yeah, like, let's go. And now, yep, nope, didn't work. Uh, running back. Uh, very interesting here with James Conner, who comes over from Pittsburgh and team. The team has Edmonds, who finishes as the better RB. Is either top twenty-four? So Dennis says, my sense is that Conner is a better goal line option than Drake. Ten touchdowns, what or ten touchdowns was, but I'm not sure Murray, eleven touchdowns, will give Conner the opportunity. I think they are both right on the line. I'm going to say they both just miss. Chase Edmonds finishes RB 25 last year, 97 carries 448 yards and one touchdown, 53 receptions for 402 yards and four touchdowns. James Connor with the Steelers finishes RB 27, 169 carries 721 yards, six touchdowns, 35 receptions for 215 yards.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, I am right there with Dennis. I think they both end up close and they both end up just outside of top 24. I actually have uh, right now I have Connor higher at 26 and Edmonds at 28. I just, I think Connor's going to be the runner and we'll probably get some rushing touchdowns and Edmonds is still going to be more of the kind of passing, but I think they're going to split so much and they have a similar problem to what you get with the Buffalo running backs. The best running back on the team is the quarterback. I mean, Kyler Murray went for over 800 yards and 11 touchdowns. Even if he comes back a shade on the yardage, I still think he's he's a dynamic touchdown weapon. And they could end up passing for more touchdowns than they did last year because they've, they've worked on their receiving core a little bit. So... I think both of them will have decent seasons. I think both of them will be flex worthy plays. I don't think either makes twenty four.
0: Yeah, I mean, how? It's hard to to think if Edmonds can do anything here. I mean, he was good last year. Connor has been good when he's been able to stay on the field. He's just he's been injured so much. I don't know what to. What to think with Connor? The one thing I'll say with Murray, I, and maybe I'm wrong. I didn't I didn't have a chance to look at it. I don't feel that like he had a lot of touchdowns in the red zone, though, his rushing. I mean, I, I know he has some of them, but he had a lot of really long runs, too. I don't know if they're yeah. going to rely on Murray. I would hope, at least, that the reason they brought James Connor over is to stop running Murray so much, because I feel like that's where he ended up getting hurt. I remember they talked about it. When it happened, he took a pretty big hit, and I'm pretty sure that's what led to his – shoulder injury so my hope is they're going to stop running him so much That's why you bring over james connor you have chase edmonds you have uh dang it what's his name came out of arizona state you know benjamin who can help yeah, out as well know. as a as third guy in that rotation
1: i feel like they have somebody else too that we're
0: forgetting they probably do, do uh, yeah up. those are the only three i think matter at the moment unless two of them get injured so i'm well, hoping go ahead
1: you know, Benjamin, that's one that had to have been a little bit crushing for people because I know I stashed and like a lot of people and thought, you know, when they let Drake walk, yeah, maybe you'd uh, have a chance. But it seems like bringing in Connor, unless he gets injured, they also have a guy, Kalfani Muhammad, who I liked as a practice squad guy for the Broncos. That would be that'll be interesting to see if he can make the team and do anything.
0: So I think. One of them's going to do it. And, and if I had to lean one way, I actually think I'm going to go Edmonds just because I think he's a little bit of a better pass catcher. Coming in at, like at 24. He finished 25 last year. I do think he's going to get more work now. You know, I, I was at him who's been saying, I think that he, you know, I know they've come out and said that he's the one, and, and he's kind of talked it up too. I, I don't know if it's like a it just 70, hold, 30, or even It 80,
1: holds me back a little bit, the rushing We have just never seen him. 97 carries was by far his career high. So was 448 yards rushing. You know, you could say it's because they've had other people. Last year, I know we discussed this many weeks, it seemed frustrating watching Kenyon Drake at times. It seemed like he wasn't doing anything. And then you look at the end of the year, he had almost 1,000 yards rushing and 10, 10 touchdowns. I mean, I I could see Edmonds possibly. I just don't. I just don't believe that he can carry a big rushing load. I mean, and if they have, I don't. So how much does Rondale Moore impact the kind of pass receiving Chase Edmonds was doing?
0: I don't think it'll be much, but I do think having Rondale Moore is going to. Hurt him some because I wouldn't be surprised if they use him in the running game some. I, yeah. I do think he's going to be used as a returner as well. He's, I mean, he's phenomenal any he touches the ball. I think that's going to help them, though, too, is now you have a Rondell Moore in the slot where nothing against Christian Kirk. I think at least I've said it. I always thought Christian Kirk was going to be their slot guy once Larry Fitzgerald retired, which when they drafted him, we thought it's probably in a year or two. And then Fitzgerald just kind of hung on and hung on. And, Cause I don't think Kirk's an outside receiver. Well, now I think Rondell Moore's an even better slot receiver than Christian Kirk is. And he's more explosive. He can do more. I wouldn't, ex- wouldn't be surprised if they use him in the short area run game, everything. So that is definitely going to hurt Edmonds. But I also think he's just more explosive than James Connor. And I think, They definitely want a guy like Connor who can be that battering ram, use him down at the goal line, or when they need those tough yards. But the way that they like to get their running backs out in space, use them in the receiving game, and with everything they do in that offense, I just feel like Edmonds fits better. So I do somewhat believe – Kingsbury when he says that he's going to be our one. Now, again, when I say that, I do not I do think it's going to be close to like a 60-40, maybe even 50-50 split. I don't think Edmonds is going to get 90 to 80 to even 70% of the carries. So he may not get 180 or 200 carries, but if he's getting catches and with as explosive as he can be and he's getting touchdowns, I think he can slide in because, I mean, I know he's not your favorite. I've talked about it all the time. Melvin Gordon, in my opinion, is not a very good running back in general, but volume had always allowed him to finish as an RB1. If Chase Edmonds is getting better volume than he got last year and he finishes RB25, I think he can move up a couple spots. So I don't think he's going to be like RB15, but I think he can squeak into the back end of RB2. He would be my bet because I just don't think they're going to have James Conner be in no. there for like multiple drives and just like and I need to off, see James Conner
1: play more than ten games a season yeah. before I feel any kind of confidence that he can get back up into top top twenty four. I liked his talent at one point, but he he can't stay on the field.
0: Yeah, and again, this is all contingent on me hoping and believing that uh Cliff Kingsbury is not going to run Kyler Murray a ton and try and keep him healthy. So. At the wide receiver position, we just talked about that how they added AJ Green, Rondale Moore. Hopkins has is phenomenal. One of the best wide receivers in the game. Can he be top five again? Kirk, Rondale Moore, AJ Green are there as well. Where do they finish? Dennis says it's looking like Kirk, Moore, and Green are going to split about 220 targets. I think it's pretty evenly split, and the ceiling is high-end wide receiver for the odd. The old better-for-football-than-fantasy moniker there. DeAndre Hopkins finishes wide receiver 4, 115 receptions, 1,407 yards, 6 touchdowns. Christian Kirk, wide receiver 51, 48 receptions, 621 yards, and 6 touchdowns. And then, of course, A.J. Green, wide receiver 68 with the Bengals, 47 receptions, 523 yards, and 2 touchdowns.
1: Yeah, so I think Hopkins will be top five again. I actually currently have him right exactly at five in my first pass. You know, I think we saw what we saw last year is about what you're, what you've come to expect. He's good for a hundred to 115 receptions. He's good for you know 12 to 1500 yards and probably five to ten touchdowns a year. I think he's their number one. It's going to be more interesting. I tend to be. With Dennis, you know, wide receiver four is probably about where I'm going to put everyone. Rondale Moore is actually the one if I had to to go out of the other three that might finish the highest because of what you talked about them using him creatively. If he breaks a couple of returns, you know, that's not points you count on, but that ends up padding into you at some point in time during the season. They use him kind of as a rushing weapon in certain experiences. I think that'll bump it up. AJ Green was horribly inefficient last year. He had over a hundred targets and only got 47 receptions. It was that his decline, you know, we had seen him miss, I think it was almost two full seasons prior to that. It was hard to know, you know, how healthy he was going to be. Or was it not a good fit? Was it attitude issues? It seemed toward the end of the season, they almost started phasing him out of the offense. Does he kind of get new life here? He's, we've seen him produce big in the past. I just don't trust Christian Kirk. You know, maybe you're right. He, maybe he steps up now that Larry Fitzgerald, you know, and does Arizona re-sign Larry Fitzgerald? He hasn't officially retired there's still rumblings that he may end up coming back to Arizona because he likes being there because he's a hall of fame guy for being there because they're a potential playoff team. If that happens, I think that muddles it even further. Yeah. So I think they all potentially will have value at points. It's going to be hard to believe in them as week to week starters, anyone but Hopkins.
0: Yeah, Hopkins is the easy one. And it's still I still remember a couple of years ago when he came over to Arizona and there was a bunch of people talking about how he wasn't even a wide receiver one anymore. And I, I, just, I love how he shut everybody up on that because I know none of us were on that, uh, that narrative. He's, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. I still hate that I traded him last year. I, I felt like I needed to, and the more and more I think about it, the more I'm like, I miss you, Hopkins. Come back to me. So he's, he's going to be a stud with Murray. And I actually think having a guy like A.J. Green helps because there was really nobody, like nothing against the late Fitzgerald because I agree, walking Hall of Famer. But at this point in his career, he's not exactly demanding defense attention or anything like that. And there were multiple times that we saw DeAndre Hopkins was doubled, sometimes triple covered, uh, and was still able to catch the ball and put up points. So I do think having a guy like A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, and Rondale Moore on the field as, as Hopkins is going to help at least a little. But he's still probably going to get the top matchup every week, but should help him. In the slightest. I do think uh, the way I will say I'm going to go different than you guys, I think Rondale Moore has a shot to finish as a wide receiver three. I I don't think I can go wide receiver two. I want to. I just don't think I can. The – thing with Arizona is they're one of the better offenses in the league, and as we just talked about before, of them getting to the playoffs, if that defense doesn't step up, they're going to have to continue to put up points like they have the past couple of years. I was just looking at Arizona's stats, and so last year there was 10 different times. Wait, was that 10 or 11? 12, I'm sorry, 12 different times a wide receiver rushed the ball for the Cardinals last year, including one time by DeAndre Hopkins. We just talked about it. Cliff Kingsbury comes from from that air raid offense in college. They love to do stuff like that in using the wide receivers in screens, running game. That's what you've got Rondell Moore there for. Again, I don't. I would not be surprised if they don't scheme stuff specifically just for him. If in your leagues you do get points for uh, was it return yards or touchdowns, and that will definitely help you, like you just said as well. But I think that they're going to use him enough in the offense if he can stay healthy, because that is the thing. He, he has suffered some pretty big injuries in college. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets up to a wide receiver three. You know, with A.J. Green, I'm with you. Weird year last year, he's dealt with injuries. I don't even know what A.J. Green is anymore, and I feel bad saying that because I think he's pretty close to a Hall of Fame player as well. I don't know what he is, so it's kind of hard for me to count on him. And Christian Kirk, I'm just completely out on. So I expect this offense to continue to be an air raid passing offense. Well, if that's the case, DeAndre Hopkins can't do everything. And while Kyler Murray is going to put up rushing yards to help get him into that QB1 territory, can't all be that. So if we all have him up at QB3, I think someone else has got to finish higher. And so I'm going to put Rondale Moore as a – High-end wide receiver three. I don't have the balls to go with wide receiver twos. I just don't think it happens. But I think he's got a shot because of adding the rushing and everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets rushing touchdowns. They get down in the red zone. Everybody's expecting James Conner to run it in. They give a little end around to Rondell Moore coming around or some of the little stuff where they give it to Chase Edmonds and he throws it to some, like. They're going to do all different kinds of things with this offense with Cliff Kingsbury and adding a guy like Rondell Moore is just going to help. So I'm going to go wide receiver three for Rondell Moore, Green, Kirk. And if Fitzgerald comes back, I would be surprised if any of them finished wide receiver three. I think you're probably looking at fours all around or five, sixes, however you want to put it on down the list. You Who do you think finishes higher out of Green and Kirk? AJ Green. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that as well.
1: No, because I was looking. uh, So last year, Fitzgerald saw 72 targets. Kirk saw 79, but Fitzgerald had more receptions. I think Kirk finished higher than him, but I just feel like A.J. Green's probably a little bit younger and a little more dynamic.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you. I I would have Green going – wait. Yeah, I have Green going –
1: yeah, no, not younger.
0: I don't mean younger than Kirk, but younger than what yeah, yeah, Fitzgerald is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have Green going uh, going ahead of Kirk as well. So we've talked a little bit about Dan Arnold. Uh, you know, last year, if you guys were listening to this podcast, you know that I somewhat made fun of Dan Arnold saying I didn't know who that was. And Dennis, I believe, was one who let me know that Matthew Barry had him, which is why he's the godfather of fantasy, because he had him. Ranked in his tight end list, uh, I did not. And uh, Dan Arnold comes on and actually had a really good year at the tight end position for the Cardinals. Dan Arnold, Dan Arnold, I'm um, Dan Arnold. There we go. I need to say his name slowly so that I get both in there. Dan Arnold is now gone. Is there any tight end you want from Arizona? Dennis says I wouldn't. I wouldn't. The surprise if the tight end group as a whole. Okay, sorry. I'm assuming he's being – I wouldn't be surprised if the tight end group as a whole get fewer than 50. Look, I'm like Ron Burgundy. If it's on the sheet, I'm going to read it. And so – sorry, it took me a minute. I was a little bit confused there. Um, We don't really have Dan Arnold's stats on here, and that's probably – I I can read
1: them. He got 45 45 targets – 31 receptions, 438 yards, and four TDs. The probably the leading um, tight end uh, that's on the roster right now is Max Williams. You may remember, I believe it was Baltimore uh, that he was originally drafted. Um, where, yeah, Baltimore was where he was originally drafted, and people had some hopes for him. Never really panned out. There has uh, come. To Arizona last year, he was on the roster. He only played nine games, saw ten targets, got eight of them for 102 yards and a touchdown. I've seen some people talking about how Max Williams is this huge sleeper that there's big time value. I don't buy it. I'm not. You know, if you're looking for a deep deep stash, maybe you're taking a a Max Williams, and um, you know, it's like you're third or fourth tight end in case you have to throw somebody out there i'm just not totally buying it i'm with dennis i think with the increase in the receiving group especially if they end up bringing fitzgerald back and you have to remember connor can catch passes edmonds can catch passes they have at least four receivers possibly five if fitzgerald's there they still have Keyshawn johnson they still have andy isabella i don't think they need a tight end for anything more than blocking
0: yeah i'm with you uh you know max williams i just I think it's time to let that dream go. I think we're going to be saying that about Chris Herndon if he doesn't do anything at this point this year, because I know we're still kind of holding on you to not,
1: you Chris Herndon. You and I saying that because old habits die hard.
0: You were probably right on that. So, you know, I understand if people want to say the same thing about me saying that about Max Williams, but yeah, I, I don't think with all the wide receivers and running backs, all the talent they have all over the field, I just don't think they're going to be thrown to the tight end much, if at all. Now, Matthew Berry comes out later this year and has one of the tight ends ranked very highly and says something I'm gonna listen this year because he was definitely right on Dan Arnold. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go the other way on that one this year and, and think that they're likely not going to use any of them. All right. The San Francisco 49ers, a very intriguing team. Uh really, in my opinion, took the took the big losses here because of the injuries they suffered all over their team last year. I think I had them winning the division. In 2020, they finished in fourth yeah. place with a six and ten record. Key additions, Alex Mack comes back to play with Kyle Shanahan, the center from the Falcons. You get Trent Williams, left tackle, who was there last year, correct? They traded, was that last year they traded for him? <clears throat> yeah, me.
1: I think they traded for him, but he signed yeah, that's
0: like I a year, like a massive free yeah. agent deal. Uh wide receiver Mohammed Sanu, running back Wayne Gallman. Key losses. Tevin Coleman, running back, follows the uh follows the uh, Mike. McCart- um, yeah, one of the Mike. McCart- I, I always I always uh, mix up wait, him and his one brother, of the Lafleurs. LaFleur's. yeah. Mike, because Matt is I always gotta remember Matt's the head coach of Green Bay. Mike LaFleur and Robert Salah to the Jets. You have Jarek McKinnon, running back, goes to the Chiefs. Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver to the Patriots. Trent Taylor, wide receiver to the Bengals. Solomon Thomas, the defensive end to the Raiders. And, of course, Richard Sherman, still a free agent, so there's a shot that he might come back, but as of right now, he's not with the team. Their draft picks, of course, number one, or in the first round of the third round pick, they pass on Justin Fields for Trey Lance in the first round. They draft draft guard Aaron Banks in the second, running back Trey Sermon out of the Ohio State University in the third round, and Ambry Thomas, the cornerback, in the third. 49ers were the worst team in 2018, made the Super Bowl in 2019, then they finished last in 2020 again. What happens in 2021? Is this their Super Bowl run?
1: Yeah. So I think the time that Kyle Shanahan has been there has been defined by how healthy they are or aren't, you know, 2018, they thought, you know, 2017 at the end of the season, they got a snapshot of Jimmy G. He had that six and oh run for them as a starter gave everybody the excitement. I think it was like the second or third game of 2018 He blows his ACL gone. They just really can't make it happen despite having a lot of talent in other places. They got a healthy season in 2019 for the most part from him, from George Kittle, from some of their pieces. And you saw them go all the way to the Super Bowl, one of the most dominant teams in the NFC. I think we all thought that they were at bare minimum going to be a playoff team coming off that last year because they still have all that talent and they arguably had the worst injury run uh, that they've had. Jimmy G only played uh, a couple of games. Nick Mullins was, played a couple of games, was ineffective. CJ Bethard played a couple of games, was ineffective. George Kittle couldn't stay on the field. They went through running backs like, te- like they were going through toilet paper you didn't get very much of Ayuk or Samuel. I mean, and then that doesn't even account for all the defensive injuries. So it's kind of amazing that they were one of the most interesting six and 10 teams in the league, but that's really been the difference. If they can stay healthy, they're definitely a playoff team. They are loaded in tons of positions. They have very creative play calling. I'll be curious to see if the defense takes anything of a step back with Salah moving on. But they still have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, um, and I think they can definitely compete for a playoff. Can they stay healthy? That's going to be a big thing for, for the fantasy value for a lot of these guys as well.
0: Yeah, health is going to be the only thing, in my opinion, that holds these guys back. Because, I mean, we've seen Jimmy G say what you want about him. He's been productive when he's been on the field. I remember we talked about this a little bit last year uh, because I actually thought, which is funny, they they draft Trey Lance this year to replace him. I thought there was a chance they would end up moving on from him this year or next year because the cap on the way his contract goes gets extremely easy to move on from because – and then I looked at the stats, and I'm like, "Well, when he's on the field, he's been extremely productive." When I mean, you look at his overall numbers, very good completion percentage, touchdown to interception ratio is just ridiculous. He puts up yards. He's just—I think it's because he doesn't wow you. Whatever it is, he's still a very good quarterback. I think he's going to do good things for this team. And I'm with you. It's just the injuries. I mean. They were – the one thing people may not remember, they were in the playoff race down the end of the season. Like there was still – even though they were at the six-win mark, they're sitting there like, well, they still have a shot to make it in the NFC. And then they had to go through all the stuff yeah. in California with the with the fires. They weren't even getting to play at home anymore. They were having to go – I think it was to the Ram Stadium or something like that to Arizona. play Arizona. They had Arizona to share a
1: Stadium with Arizona.
0: It was going all over. So their whole season was just completely screwed. I mean, everything was screwed up last year with COVID, and then their injuries and everything else just made it ten times worse. So I'm with you. I think there's almost the only thing that holds this team back again this year is injuries. They're one of the best teams. I think they've got a legitimate shot not just to win the East. I think they're going to be a Super Bowl favorite. Whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance starting, I don't think it matters. I believe in Kyle Shanahan. The biggest thing is going to be, for me, what you mentioned with Salah. I thought, you know, I've talked about it before on here, when the Browns were looking to hire their coach, and it was coming down to Stefanski and Salah. I I said I'd have loved either one of them because I think Salah is a phenomenal defensive coach, putting him with Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, all those guys. So him moving on, what does that mean for this defense? You listen to any 49ers defensive players, current or past, talk about him they talk about how much they love playing for him and the passion that he brings the love they have for him so how will that affect that defense I think with the talent they have it probably won't change it much but even if that defense takes a tad bit of a step back I think that offense and what Kyle Shanahan does is good enough to win them at least most of those games so I expect the 49ers to at least be in the playoffs too early I think to say if they're going to make the Super Bowl I don't think I predicted them I think I predicted him to make the playoffs when we did our like first schedule game thing. that was just kinda like a, a first dry run at it. I don't think I had I can I think it was Packers Baltimore, I believe is what I had as my Super Bowl. So I obviously didn't have him going.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to actually do do one when we're yeah, a little bit later. But the you know, the nice the only nice thing I'll say, you know, the, the 49ers promoted Damico Ryan's uh, to be defensive coordinator. He's been there working uh, with that team with Shanahan with Salah for the last few years. so at least there's some continuity and hopefully you know he was a decent player. Um, you know we've seen we've seen that pan out big. we've seen that flop, but I'll be pulling for him you know that helps to have yeah. some continuity, some system in there. Um, and I still believe in shanahan and, and Lynch. I think they have a good front office. they have a good situation going.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for him as well. I love Kyle Shanahan ever since his day with the Browns when he did the trick play with Baker Mayfield. I mean, I I still think they never should have let him leave. The fact that they did, I think, is, well, I take that back. I love Stefanski now. Had we not gotten Stefanski last year, I'd still be lamenting the fact that we let Kyle Shanahan leave. But that is neither here nor there. And if they would have drafted Justin Fields, I'd be cheering for him even harder. I'd be, I'd be a 49ers fan. So fantasy finishes and fantasy projections, Jimmy G or trade Lance, who plays more games for the 49ers in 2021 and where do they finish? Dennis says Shanahan wants to prove how smart he is. He will do anything he can to have Jimmy G start all season. If he's healthy, Jimmy G again, in only six games last year finishes QB 39, 1,096 passing yards with seven touchdowns, five interceptions and 25 rushing yards. Do you agree with that, Matt?
1: I think Jimmy G starts more games. I think um, we may see Trey Lance at the end of the season, depending on where the 49ers are in pursuing a playoff opportunity. If they're in the thick of going into the playoffs, I don't think we see them at all. If they're on the the borderline or playing out, um, I think we'll see them some. I don't have Jimmy G – that high uh, for fantasy purposes. I think he's very efficient and he's a very good NFL quarterback. He doesn't put up the gaudy fantasy numbers. I have him as a QB three.
0: Yeah. I will have Jimmy G as a QB three as well for some of what you said. And I do think that Trey Lance is eventually going to start regardless of where they're going, because I don't would not be surprised if Jimmy G unfortunately suffers another injury or just based on, whether it's a game where they should win and he doesn't get it done or something, I think they're going to go to Trey Lance. You've seen nothing, nothing but 49ers hyping him up with everything they've been doing with all these videos, workout practice stuff. I've said from the beginning, I know you've talked about it a little bit as well. He's the furthest. he was the furthest away in my opinion from being ready to start coming out of, out of college. Doesn't mean that he can't and doesn't mean that he will, though. I think that he should have sat for the year. But I also don't know what's going on up here for him. I don't know how smart he is. I've never sat down with him. Uh, I'll be honest, even when we sat down, I was like, hey, man, draw an offensive play on the whiteboard for me. I don't even know if I would know what the hell he's talking about. We've heard that one of the reasons they wanted him so badly is because he was one of the smartest guys in the draft. If he's already picking up that offense – there's no reason to hold him back because he's got the physical traits. That was my biggest argument the whole time was, would he be ready mentally after not being able to play for an entire year? Would he be ready to go out there and take that jump from D2 all the way up to the NFL? If he's already out there learning the playbook, knowing what he's doing, I don't see why you don't throw him out there. I would not be surprised if we see a ton of him in the preseason. Usually you get like the second and then the third. I wouldn't be surprised if you see like, Almost an entire game of him out there in in the preseason. I it was it's only three this year, right? So like yeah. preseason game two, you see almost three full quarters of Trey Lance. Good.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe game one.
0: Yeah, even – well, I, I didn't know – I assume Jimmy G will be out there some because I think they're going to want to work him back as well being injured, but I wouldn't – yeah. I mean, you're going to see – Well, they're
1: talking about the third game of the preseason still being the same as what the third game the, of the preseason yeah. has always been the regular season, uh, you know, where they ask starters to play into the second half. Yeah. It seems like this is where – it's so new – uh, having only the three preseason games, it's probably going to take us a couple years to get a feel for it. But I'm almost wondering if those guys that you used to see get some kind of a big opportunity in game four get pushed up into that first game. Cause they don't usually like to roll the veterans and starters out for much of anything in that first game. So I'm wondering if that's going to be, you know, game one, let's see what you can do. And then, you know, gets a half in game two and gets a quarter unless, like you said, they're pushing for him to start. But if they think Jimmy G is their starter and it seems like that's been all the indication, unfortunately, that's where the new preseason structure – because in past, game four would have been all trade Lance. Yeah. But now you don't have a game four.
0: Yeah. And that's why I think you're going to see a lot of them. And if he goes out there and he's playing good, like I said, I – would not be surprised if we see him on the field. We just don't see this red-shirting freshman anymore. I mean, the only one who did it was, and, and why I do think that this situation could happen, because I'm pretty sure we talked about it a little bit on draft night, was the Alex smith patrick Mahomes situation. And why that is somewhat equatable here, while I, I don't know if Jimmy G is better than what Alex Smith at least was doing with the Chiefs at that time, Jimmy G is better than what most of the quarterbacks are sitting behind when they come in. Most of these are like, I'm going to be on Jimmy G is better than Andy Dalton or they're at least comparable. I, I don't think Andy Dalton's much better than Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G's shown at least at times to be a little bit more consistent than Andy Dalton specifically in even bigger games. I don't. So that's why I could see it happening, but we don't typically see these guys sit. They usually start playing at some Especially point. Especially
1: when you give up three first round exactly. picks. and take somebody at pick number three, it's, It's a tough pill to swallow for fans that you get mortgage the entire future and they may not even see what the guy can do in his first year.
0: Yeah. I mean, granted, I think those two, because you talked about it, Kyle Shanahan, Lynch, they're kind of like solidified there. I think they signed like 10-year deals when they first got there, which granted those really don't matter. Franchises can let these guys go at any point. But I think the fact that they did that, Jed York was showing, hey, like we believe in these guys. They've got a process. We're going to let it roll out. They're only three or four years in at this point, so they're not just going to let him go. I I do think that if they wanted to let him sit for a year, they could. I just don't see it. I think Trey Lance is going to end up playing at least half the season, if not more. So I I guess if I have to pick one, I'm going to go Jimmy G, just because I believe he's going to be the day one starter, and I do think he'll play – at least some of it. We'll see there. I have to pick. Actually, I guess have to technically pick an answer, don't I? With seventeen games, it's going to be odd number. I don't think they can both play eight. Well, no, there's only sixteen games, so I guess I could play eight, and eight. There's
1: seventeen games. There's eighteen weeks. Seventeen
0: games. Oh fuck! So yeah, there's no way it can be. Uh, <laughs> We've, talked about be We've talked about this. I know. I keep. Well, they I can keep both not, not eight, remembering it. I need they go, to both see it. Play if they eight and a half games. I need, I need to see – this has got to have to happen for like a couple of years before I can really get my mind around. And, of course, like in two years, we're going to go to like 18-game schedules. That's going to fuck me up even more. So I'm going to go with Lance. I'm just going to do it. I, I really think that he's going to end up playing more. Jimmy G gets through like five or six games, and then it's going to be rocket ship emoji Trey Lance uh, you know, to the moon, as people say. And it's going to be the Trey Lance show there in San Francisco. All right, the running back situation, which is just as confusing as what's going on at quarterback, if not more so. Raheem Mostert is back, but Sermon was the top pick. Jeff Wilson is out until likely November, which I do think helps clear things up just a little bit. So who leads this backfield and where do they finish? Dennis says, if he stays healthy, Mostert leads the team and carries. Mostert has the... One thing Sermon, oh, Mostert has the one thing that Sermon lacks, explosiveness. That being said, Mostert has yet to prove he can stay healthy for a full season with a big workload. Mostert, RB48 last year, 104 carries, 521 yards, two touchdowns, 16 receptions, 156 yards, and one touchdown in eight games. Where are you going with the running backs?
1: Yeah, so I think those are the top two guys, unless uh, you believe all the people that think Elijah Mitchell is uh, the one that's just going to rise up from his sixth round draft capital and surprise us all, or Wayne Gallman crushes all our hopes and dreams. It's the 49ers. I expect all four of those guys, plus Wilson, when he comes back uh, to put up numbers. I think Mostert finishes higher. I don't have him super high. I tend to be with Dennis. I don't think he plays the whole season. I think he starts as the starter. I think he is good when he's out there. Um, I have him in the RB three range right now um, just because, you know, if I knew I was getting a full season, I'd feel a lot better putting him up, yeah. you know, mid to upper RB two. I think he's got that kind of talent right now. I have him RB three and I have, um, Sermon right around uh, RB4 territory, just inside
0: the top 50. Oh, froze for a second. There we go. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, I – it's very hard for me to make this pick because I – you know, Dennis mentioned there the health issue with Mostert, right? Well, so Trey Sermon has as well. Every year in college, he's suffered an injury, and that's because – like last year, we saw – He comes over to Ohio State, coming off an injury, ends up playing behind Master T for a little bit, finally gets on the field, and then hurts his shoulder in the National Championship game, is out for the rest of the year. That was in six games, I think, at that point, seven, eight games. So neither one of these guys is like the picture of health. I I don't know which way to go with it. If I had to pick one, I am going to lean most because I agree. He's more explosive. I think he's the better pass catcher. Trey Sermon is a very good all-around back, and I think he's going to be good in that system. But I think if I had to pick one or the other, I'm going to go Mostert. I don't think either one finish as RB2. I think they're both going to deal with some injuries, and I think they will split the ball enough that they're both going to kind of eat into each other just enough. And when I honestly think when Wilson comes back, he's going to vulture both of them at times in the red zone and receiving work, which is going to hurt them down the end of the season. So I'm all in on letting somebody else take Mostert or Sermon, whoever they believe in, in your drafts, and kind of letting them slide. And then grabbing Jeff Wilson late and stashing him on your bench for a while until the second half of the season comes up. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does what he did last year where he was a stud throughout your fantasy playoffs. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with you guys. I, I think Dennis said he had him outside the top 24. Yeah. I, I'm with you guys as well. I don't think either one of them makes it in there. Uh, they both kind of slide just outside of it, both high-end RB3s. Ayuk or Samuel, who is the best receiver in 2021, and who do you want more long-term? Dennis says, it's kind of an OBJ Landry setup. One is the superior deep threat in Ayuk and will dominate, the, dominate that aspect of the game. The other Samuel is better at the short underneath game of PPR leagues. I can see them finishing very close together. Uh, Ayuk finishes wide receiver 35 with 60 receptions, 748 yards, and five touchdowns in 12 games. In seven games, Debo finishes wide receiver 96, 33 receptions, 309 391 yards, and one touchdown.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with Dennison that you you split and you feel like they're going to be close. I have Ayuk finishing higher, um, but I have him in the wide receiver three category. Samuel, I think, is a wide receiver three, for teeter. I don't know if. I guess my concern about him is him staying healthy. We saw him get injured, or, you know, struggle with injuries and getting on the field in his I almost said freshman year. I've been on here too long with you um, because now I'm doing it. in his rookie year, you, right? Last year, you know, only seven games. He's looked good when he's on the field, but he's not always on the field that coupled with, I don't think they're a tremendously high volume passing game and their best receiver is not a wide receiver. So uh, I, I like Ayuk better long-term as well. Um, I just think he does something different and does something different than Kittle. Um, and that's, that's why I have him higher. I, I know that's probably a little bit of personal preference. I've seen people preaching about Devo Samuel being the guy you want to own you know, I don't have strong, passionate feelings, but for me, I have Ayuk slightly higher in 2021. I have him slightly higher in dynasty ranks.
0: Yeah, I, I'm all in on Ayuk. I know there's a lot of talk that, you know, maybe with, with Kittle being back and healthy and Debo being back and healthy, Ayuk won't break out. I just think he's the better player than than Samuel. I, I like Debo, but I think Ayuk is more explosive. And and I don't necessarily agree with what Dennis said on him being the deep threat either. I think he can do everything Debo does, but better. I, I think they can use him in the running game as well. They can use him in the short area. I think all around Ayuk is the better receiver. The biggest thing that's going to, I think hurt them might be Jimmy G because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do try to use Ayuk more down the field and, while he's not a horrible passer, I do think he he has a pretty good completion percentage every year, and he's decent. I think that's where he struggles the most is completing those deep balls. So does that affect Ayuk at all? I don't know, but i I, I do think Ayuk's going to finish as the higher wide receiver. He's the guy that I'd want. I have to pay up for him. I, I think last I looked, his ADP is like in the top twelve wide receivers because everyone believes in him. So, but but he's the one I would go with. Uh, I didn't hear. Did you say where you have him? Like where you think he's going to finish, Ayuk?
1: Uh, for 2021, I have been a high-end wide receiver three. I just okay. – part of it for me is pass volume. Right. I'm trying to think of where I would go with There's also – I, I know you haven't – I don't know if you've finished it. Wide receiver is brutal. There's so many guys Oh, I, sure. I want to put up in the top, you know, as I'm going through. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. wide receiver – I feel so blessed oh i mean when i so it's i the opposite of running back you get outside of 18 and you're like this feels like a lot of dart throws
0: yeah uh when we did ours for the campus to canton website i remember going because we did that like you're putting it in starting out like this is how you would draft him in a startup yeah i was like i want IUK in my top 12 and i'm like trying to figure out ways to move but i don't want to move this guy down like i'm pretty sure like at one point i had galladay down at like 20 and i'm like that doesn't feel right he needs to move up and i'm looking like, But I can't move him up that far yet. Wide receiver is loaded, so yeah, I'm with you. I I don't, I haven't done mine yet, so I don't know where he's going to finish. That feels about right. I feel like I'm going to try to figure out a way to move him into a wide receiver too, like low end. But um, currently,
1: I have him at 27. Okay, so I mean that's close. I mean that's what I say it's like high end and. I mean, it it gets it gets tough early, you know. I was even even after we kind of debated about Lockett and Metcalf, I was thinking, about, yeah. oh, man. that's why I haven't finished receiver because it just feels so hard. I've rearranged even the top five a bunch of times. It's yeah. there are so many wonderful options, you know. If yeah. people stay healthy, we could have a real boon at a wide
0: receiver. That's why you wait on wide receiver, folks. Wait on wide receiver. Last but not least, George Kittle. He Let's see here. My bad. I was looking at the wrong thing. Kittle is a beast when he's on the field. Where does he finish in 2021? Dennis said, I think he's still a top three tight end. He needs to score more touchdowns, or San Francisco needs to throw the ball more for him to challenge for tight end one. He finished his tight end 19 last year, 48 receptions, 634 yards, two touchdowns in only eight games. I know the one game. I'm pretty sure it was when he scored both touchdowns because that was the game that gave me my first win in Scott Fishbowl 10. So I was very appreciative. You and me both. So I I love George Kittle. I've said it before. I'll say it again here. My biggest fear is I feel like he plays the tight end position like a linebacker, and that scares me. I don't. I, I somewhat agree with uh, with Dennis, uh, but I don't think San Francisco is going to throw the ball enough for him no. to ever contend for tight end one at least while Travis Kelsey is around. When Travis Kelsey retires, maybe. If Kittle is still kind of doing what he's doing now, then he's got a shot. But I'm with you. I don't think that he – or I'm sorry, I'm with Dennis. I, I think he's still top three for me because when he's healthy, in my opinion, he's the best tight end in the game with what he does all around. I think Kelsey's a better offensive weapon, but what Kittle can do blocking and in the offense, I think he's the best tight end on the field. But with Kelsey around, uh, you know, Waller was really good last year. I don't think Pitts jumps him this year, but I think Pitts could be Hawkinson close.
1: Hawkinson, Hawkinson could that, depending yeah. on volume.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, there's some really good tight ends at the top, but I just think at worst you're not moving him out top five. But I just – if he stays healthy, I can't see any way he's not in the top three. What do you think about Kittle?
1: Yeah, I mean, health's the biggest thing. The dude finished inside the top 20 only playing half the games. And playing half the games with sometimes questionable passing. Uh, You know, so I have him right now at tight end, too. I'm with Dennis. I don't think they have enough volume for him to surpass Kelsey, especially with Kelsey, in my opinion, probably being the best receiver in the Kansas City complement of weapons. But if he stays healthy, he's right there. You know, the challenges are. Do the Raiders give more, more volume to Waller that puts him over? Does Hawkinson with a lack of receivers in Detroit get enough volume to, to surpass him? Those are basically the only two that I, I would say have an outside chance. But I think when Kittle's healthy, he gets a lot of touchdowns too, which is another reason that I hold back a little bit on those receivers because Kittle's a better red zone option. They have running options in the red zone. That's where I think he, he is the best receiving option on that team.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. So, let's do it. We're going to do it. I got these bad boys just for this here, too. I don't know if it's going to work with my headset, but uh, I just got these when I was at Disney. It's the Loki Disney ears. All right. Let's just, yeah, it's not going to work with the headset. And then I can't hear you, but I'm ready for this. So, we've gotten through the two episodes. I have not had a chance to watch episode three yet. My uh, my got family in town, so my wife is with them. I will definitely have a chance to watch that. Next week, we'll get a chance to talk about that then. The show kicked off on June 9th. What have your thoughts been so far on Loki?
1: Yeah, I think it's been good. It's about what we expected from Hiddleston, um, who is really good at that character, very charismatic. Uh, Even when Loki has had heel turns in those movies, uh, it's been very good. I was kind of excited about where they picked up um, because we saw in Avengers Endgame how they kind of made a alteration to the events of the original avengers film and it's nice to see it picking up there and going back to something that you know we saw in that movie and you didn't know and they never really resolved it in the movie which it's nice to see they're kind of resolving it here uh, and branching off i thought he's had a good pairing with owen wilson uh it's been fun it's been strange it's been different um but i'm enjoying it so far
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. For starters, I love Owen Wilson. I think he's a phenomenal actor outside of the wow thing, which everybody, I think, kind of gives him crap for. Makes fun of him because that's what he's known for. Uh, But I think he's a really good actor. I think he's, like, nailed playing Mobius. That's been amazing. And I'm with you. I mean, it's been a fun ride for me so far. I've been, like fully engaged both two episodes first one i was really kind of intrigued like where is this gonna go what's this gonna be about because so i hadn't obviously I had a chance to watch it as we talked about one of my best friends had, had already watched like the first uh the first episode and he wanted to talk to me about it. i was like well i haven't watched it but i have so many questions and that's what, where does it pick up you know is loki actually still you know for spoiler alert if you guys for some reason haven't uh seen Endgame or anything he dies although uh, loki doesn't kill him uh thanos ends up killing him i was like you know is he still alive is this some of this is an alternate universe like i was trying to figure out all this different stuff i do like the way that they've answered these questions so far they've talking it taking it right from that part where he grabs a tesseract uh when they go back in time to get it and disappears with it where they brought in i think it's very interesting the way they're setting everything up again obviously i'm into episode two i've not seen episode three Uh, But it's a different kind of uh, show. The third original Marvel show, third different kind of show. How does it compare to the other two for you?
1: So it's hard until you get to the end to completely drop them in there. But I will say so far – I'm enjoying this one more than I did Falcon and the Winter Soldier at the beginning, because if you recall, I was Mm -hmm. uh, pretty nonplussed by some of their story decisions and character arcs in episode two and three. I thought they really rebounded and I ended up really liking that experience. WandaVision, we didn't know what to expect. It was so cool and so different. I still probably liked that more to start but loki's been right in there it's been fascinating there's you probably you got to the big reveal at the end of episode two yes. to see um you know and female loki yes. yeah and i've enjoyed uh you know i enjoyed the the episode that dropped yesterday a little bit of more of their relationship developing but hiddleston's so good in it owen wilson's good it's yes. something completely different um and I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm I'm enjoying it so far. And my wife's enjoying it too. The, the Marvel ones, they've done a great job yeah. with coming up with interesting ideas that are expanding on the world and picking up some fringe pieces that were left off in some of the movies and building that out.
0: Yeah, so I love what they're doing. And I, I feel like not enough different entities do stuff like this. And I know that, and again, maybe it's because they're partnering with Disney and, and all this stuff that's going – they're knocking this stuff out of the park. And well, I was going to bring it back into star Wars. Like we know there's a lot of star Wars stuff coming as well. Obviously Mandalorian has been a massive hit with what they're doing. We got Obi one coming soon as well. Like I love that they're taking this and it's not just like what the movies are. You're getting to expand and see diff completely different things with these universes. And one thing's with Loki. I think, He's a character that is beloved by a lot of people. Some of that, you know, we've talked about Tom Hiddleston, just like the perfect casting choice for Loki. Like, he's nailed it. We never really got to see a lot of Loki, though. And, and he's a very intriguing character, in my opinion, from the parts where you're for sure 100% this dude is completely evil to the moments or toward the ends of the franchise where he kind of completely turns around and is helping Thor, helping the Asgardians getting to see a whole different side of them. And I love it. And I love that they're doing this. I can't wait to see where the show ends up going. Cause like I said, it's been very intriguing. I want to see episode three cause I've heard there's some really good things about it, but sticking with, with one and two, uh, two, like you just mentioned was the big reveal. Sorry. I, I forgot to say spoiler alert. So if you guys didn't see that, I apologize, but there is a, at least I assume, I don't know. I'm assuming it's an actual female Loki and he's not yeah. shape shifting or anything. Okay. So, Obviously, I don't want to ask any questions about that because they might get answered in episode three, and I want to find that out when I'm watching the show. But I found that to be very intriguing. I will say the one thing that I really liked so far, and it was in episode one toward the end, was how just – how well Loki – or I should say Tom Hiddleston does of like playing a, a – in in a way, in my opinion, like a, a tragic character in Loki, especially when he sits there and like watches – his mother passed. And he has no idea. Like he's watching his life go, seeing that he does end up getting killed by Thanos and how that kind of turns him, you think, into wanting to help them. And then he tries to backstab him when he first goes to the tent and trying to get away from him into the medieval period or with the Renaissance Fair uh, where the the group is attacked. Uh, and and then later on when they get to this big supermarket, but it's been fun to see. There was, I do like the comedy that they put in this as well a little bit. Again, Tom Hiddleston, I think, does a great job of bringing that to the role. Owen Wilson does a good job of it as well. So uh, what, if, what have you thought about the story, though? Again, you, you're a little bit further in than I am, but just like the first two episodes, what that kind of did for you leading into episode three.
1: Well, I think to speak to your point, you never really know uh, what way he's going to go because we've seen him play the hero. We've seen him play the heel. You don't know what his motivations are, what you know, what direction things are going to go. Like you, it seemed like when he was watching some of that footage or seeing some of that, um, you know, even when he was watching and reading about the destruction of his planet, it looked like he was really emotionally moved. But then when he comes out of it, it's more like, oh, I, this is what I would do. This is a perfect, you know. Yeah. It's a really nuanced character, um, and I think that's what helps keep it on the edge because we've seen him vacillate back and forth, even throughout the movies that he's appeared in. The other part that I'll be curious to see how it plays out is, so far what we've seen, the pattern for these shows has been that they – get some tangential other pieces out of the world that they come in contact with, and it seems to set up a point of forward trajectory. Wandavision ended in a place where you saw her propelling into Multiverse of Madness, the second Doctor Strange movie. Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended in a place where you could see them continuing it as a regular series, and they've already discussed a fourth Captain America movie. You kind of have that set up. I'll be curious what the what the kind of plan is for Loki? You know, is it setting up maybe continuation of a series in this time variant authority? Are we going to get some kind of an intersection back into the larger Marvel world? There was a nice intersection point where they pulled him out of that answered a kind of hanging participle from endgame that must have been very intentional is there going to be another place where it slots or where it points uh forward how is it connected and that's one of the interesting pieces for having a larger fabric of an interconnected world um you know you get the with the timelines and things like that maybe this is also going to play into doctor strange and the multiverse of madness in some way
0: yeah, I'd be very curious to see if that does happen because you know, obviously, a lot of people, especially the people who love the Loki character, are hoping with him wanting to. It, it seems like at least one motivation he has is to at least meeting the Timekeepers, who you know it's believed at least as of right now. Which I what is the name of their group? I'm not the the name is not sticking in my head at the moment. Time Authority. Yeah, there TVA. we go. So TVA. I was thinking of another three letter thing that starts with TA that you'll understand with something going on with us in the background so i was not thinking of that so the tva there's they're a very interesting thing with everything they're talking about like controlling the timelines and everything because you know it's uh was like the age-old question right like do we control our own destinies are our paths already set for us that's kind of a thing that they're addressing this which i also find very interesting this like larger question and you have Loki who at least for the most part in these first few episodes that I've seen has talked very much about like wanting to meet the timekeepers because what they say is he keeps calling on these lizard people like set and his own Wilson kind of addresses or Mobius I'm sorry addresses in the second episode. They're continually like figuring out where this timeline's going. They decide what's going to happen. And I feel Loki is saying that, no, that's not. We decide what we want to happen kind of thing. So I'm very interested to see how that all plays out in this as well. I hope we get a bigger answer to that and what's going on with that. But I agree with you. Where where does this lead? Because I hope it doesn't just lead to, well, now Loki, because I could see a very realistic way of this going, leading toward, well, then he just goes back or he, disappears because he's not there anymore right like this is a different thing there they've closed that timeline and he's just gone maybe they figure out a way where he stays with the tva to help or is it something where he goes back in we see somewhere in between like thor three and four and becomes the more kind of helping thor thor out and end up kind of becoming a good guy i
1: think if i'm understanding what they're saying that version of Loki got pulled out and they corrected the timeline. Yeah. So that Loki
0: can't go back. Yeah,
1: you know, yeah continue to so like he's a variant
0: now. Yeah. Um,
1: which once you see the next one, I think we'll be able to have a better
0: conversation. Gotcha. About. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's the worst part about it. Not seeing everything. I kind of I don't know what 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 comes next. So yeah, I, but I'm I'm over on treat with I'm with you. I think for me the The Scarlet Witch one was a little bit more intriguing because I like the suspense about it. We didn't have any idea of what anything meant, right because we we saw like it I only watched for, I've only seen the first trailer of each of them. So we already knew Loki was coming back and outside of Loki, obviously, as I mentioned earlier being killed by Thanos, the big question we had is, well, where is this in the timeline then like how is Loki still alive? Is this early? now we know at least that first part of it. Could that change? We don't know yet, but we know that it came after uh, the events in Endgame where they go back in time. Scarlet Witch, we see even in the first trailer, Vision's there, also, and you don't understand what's going on because last we yeah. saw Vision as well, he was killed. We Dead. don't really know what happened with Scarlet Witch. So, The suspense and the way that they built that, like I said, I loved it. I thought it was a great show, and a lot of people didn't like the switching around of different comedies. I thought Scarlet Witch was a hit from episode one, and so far I'm all on board Loki. Now, I did like Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot as well, Uh, but I think Loki would probably be two for me right now as well, and that's more of just – I am more invested for whatever reason in Tom Hiddleston and Loki. I just I, I like the character. I, I'd like to see him get more screen time. So I'm definitely intrigued to see where the storyline goes as well, because there's so many different ways I feel like it could go. And it's this is one of the longer ones as well, right? There's like eight episodes or nine.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna look. I think that there's
0: eight. Let's see if it says. Cause the other thing I love about it is that they're almost an hour long as well, which is, which is nice compared to but Scarlet, which was like 20 the third years. One did Get get shorter. It's 40 minutes. Oh, damn
1: it. Yeah. Uh, it says six episodes.
0: Oh, okay. So damn, we're already halfway. Oh, through. So we're already
1: halfway through. Yeah.
0: I guess that makes sense. Cause I think that was it. They uh, ends right around about the time that black widow comes out in theaters. So yeah, it looks like July
1: 14th is the finale.
0: God, that sucks. We're almost there. All right. But, so yeah, I'm all in. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I can't wait now until hopefully my wife comes home early tonight and I'm able to watch episode three today because I really want to. I've heard good things about it, so I'm excited. But I'm all in. Uh, it, it's been really fun. I can't wait to see what they do. What is the? Do they have another show coming anytime soon?
1: Yeah, there is a couple of other Marvel shows. That might be the other reason it's, it's in ending. I think. Uh, Eternals is a movie. Okay. I pull up Marvel original series. Is it
0: Moon Knight uh, is Moon Knight a show or is that going to be Yeah,
1: new? but that's going to be in the fall. I think there's one the what if series was supposed to be the the next um that was going to launch this summer if I recall. Uh vision Loki. yeah what if what launches if. in august and then miss marvel uh, it says late 2021 hawkeye is somewhere in oh, 2021 yeah. moon, moon Knight uh, they have in 2022 now gotcha uh she hulk 2022 secret invasion 2022 guardians of the galaxy holiday special mm-hmm. 2022 so the ones they have remaining for that are supposed to be this year that are in um post-production and miss marvel and hawkeye uh, and then what if um, what if is actually supposed to be longer? It says ten episodes. I believe that's the anthology series where they oh. imagine different things and that's gonna be the um, that was the last thing that uh, uh, Chadwick Bozeman filmed.
0: Gotcha. okay. Awesome. All right. Well, three more episodes left then of Loki. We'll continue to break them down uh, at sort of as they happen. I'll, I'll be unfortunately an episode behind every single week, but we'll, we'll get through it. I'll, I'll, you know, I might, I might risk a little bit of getting yelled at, maybe a night sleeping on the couch with the final episode and watch it on Wednesday. and, And that way we can talk about it on Thursday. But that will do it for us today. We will be back on Monday. Dennis will be back with us, obviously, as well as it is a Monday episode, and we will be talking about the AFC West. We will be talking about the Chiefs and who's the other two? Raiders. The Chiefs yep. and the Raiders. So until then, everybody have yourself a good weekend, and we will talk to you guys again soon.
1: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on there. Do you got your popcorn? I came like out the wrong line already. And he's the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Going
0: up above his head. They can't jump with leave. Golly. Oh, tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can. Oh.